This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode 28 with guest Brooke Castillo. Any links to resources you hear in this podcast can be found at yourkickasslife forward slash 28. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey, ass kickers. Andrea Owen here of the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast. I have no idea what episode this is, (laughs) but the important thing is that I am joined today by Brooke Castillo, um, a, a woman of many hats and someone that I'm actually thrilled to talk to. We just spent the the better part of half an hour here just gabbing away and decided maybe we should hit record and get on with the podcast. <laughs> For those of you that don't know Brooke, she is the founder of the Life Co- the Life Coach School and the Weight School. She's a life coach, she's an author, she's a blogger, she's a mom, and and welcome Brooke. Hi, Andrea. <laughs> How are you? Great. How are you? I'm really good. Maybe I had too much coffee this morning, or maybe it's just talking to you that I get all fired up. <laughs> right on. That's all good. <laughs> but I think I, I haven't talked to you in like a couple of years, and <clears throat> I I asked you to be on the podcast, and there are so many different things that we could talk about. You know, you and I could could talk about eating stuff. We could talk about addiction. We could talk about life coaching, which I do want to have you back on to talk about the business. We'll, we'll talk about that another time. But I I love your blog. I actually wrote, I mentioned you in my book a couple times and quoted you because you say so many amazing things. And so I'm going to start there. Let's just jump in. And um, in one of your videos on YouTube, you know, one of my favorite videos I think you did with Meadow you say other people's opinions are good for other people. And it's you know really about not taking things personally. And so can you speak more on that? And and what it what it because I know a lot of my listeners are paralyzed with this and, and, and care so much about what other people think. So can you speak to that and what advice can you give people to to just start, to just start not not caring so much about what other people think? Yeah, absolutely. I think it is a huge problem. I think people live their lives and behave in their lives based on what they think other people will think about them. And it is absolutely paralyzing because, first of all, you can't, first of all, know what other people are thinking about you. So you're just guessing. And second of all, even if you did know, you couldn't control it. So the way that I teach this is that If everyone's opinion of you was about you, then everybody would have the same opinion, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're the constant. But everyone's opinion about you isn't about you because they all, I mean, you could go into a party and there could be 10 people in a room. They're all going to have a different opinion of you. Why? You're the same person. You're acting the same because their opinion of you is based on them. And their history and their thinking and what's going on in their lives and who you remind them of and who you, you know, don't remind them of, whatever. So to go in and try to control other people, I mean, it's exhausting Mm -hmm. because, I mean, I know that you can relate to this. I've done this before where I want someone to like me. I want their opinion to be, I like her. And I start acting like a crazy person. (laughs) 
right? Uh, it's like I start contorting myself. I'm like, I wonder if I start doing things I would never do. I start saying things that are totally random. Mm-hmm. And it's like I'm trying to to get in this person's brain and change their thoughts. And of course, because I'm not showing up as myself, I'm showing up as some crazy version of myself. Even if they did like me, they're not even liking me, right? Mm-hmm. They're liking some crazy version. So first of all, I think understanding that is so important. Just like giving up that fight of trying to control someone else's brain. Most of us can't even control our own brain, right? let alone control <laughs> someone else's brain, right? So, and then the other thing is, this is one thing that I learned that has completely set me free is, and it it sounds silly because you don't have a choice, but what I say is I allow other people not to like me, Yeah, (laughs) right? I allow mm -hmm. them to have their own opinion. I'm not for everybody. Half the time I don't even like myself. I get it, Uh (laughs) right? Uh But so when you allow people to just be who they are and think of you as they will, it just lets it all go. I'm not for everybody and that's okay. Uh And also really, instead of paying attention so much to how other people are thinking about me, I try to focus more on like, how do I feel about them? You know, what is my opinion of them? I used to never think about that. It was always just trying to get everyone to like me. So, um, and and here's the thing, the other, kind of the last piece of this is, and this is what I explore with clients all the time. So if you could control, let's just go to this fantasy land where you could control what everyone thought about you. How would your life change? Right? What would change inside of you that would make you feel so much better? Because you can change that without having to change what everyone else is thinking about you. And that, I mean, that last piece can really just allow you to be yourself and let people be themselves instead of trying to control the whole universe. I love that. I, so many good nuggets in there. And I, same, like I, I remember I, especially in my, my teens and twenties, I used to edit myself. I used to, um, or I would emphasize a certain trait if I found out or got the hint that someone liked a certain part of me, I would go overboard on that. And it wasn't even really acting like myself. It was so exaggerated and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And the, the last part that you said, or one of the last things that you said reminded me of, <clears throat> I was on a, I was on a date with this guy before I met my, my current husband and, and I was kind of dating like crazy. And I met this guy who was, he was great on paper. He was a cop and he owned his own home in Laguna beach. And, and he was kind of cute. He (laughs) was gorgeous, but, and he was really funny. And, and I really liked that part of him. And so he was, he was like, he was just okay. He was okay. And anyway, so we're on this date and we're having dinner and having a pretty great time. And he's telling me this funny story. And I shouted out, like, I was like excited about his story. And I, I said, shut the fuck up. Like, it was so funny. Like something he said. <laughs> and he looks at me. I think it was our second date. And he looks at me like kind of like open mouthed. And he goes, you are way too sweet and pretty to use that kind of language. Mm. And I was like, my first, like my gut reaction in my mind was then maybe you should go fuck yourself. Like (laughs) that was what I wanted to say, but I was immediately just like shamed, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so I, I finished the date and I, you know, censored myself. And then later I was like, I don't like you that much. Why am I trying to be someone for you? 
Cause you, cause like you just said, like, I'm not for everyone and I wasn't for him. Right. And we ended up, and then I, it's funny cause like a couple years later, he found me on Facebook and he just like sent me a message like, Hey, so you got married. I got married too. And I was happy for him. Right. I'm like, I'm so glad that you probably found a 19, I didn't say this, but like 1950s type wife, you know, like we just weren't for each other. And so the old me would have been devastated and felt like I was wrong, wrong for being me, wrong for saying the F word, right. wrong for everything. But reality was like, we just weren't right for each other. Both of us. Well, yeah. And if he doesn't, here's the other thing that I think is so interesting is when people don't like you, when people hate you, they're the one that feels the hate, not you. Right. It doesn't affect you at all, right? It's like, I, I feel bad for you. Like that you're, you're sitting over there just with your, critical stare like that must feel terrible like I really like to feel love towards people and I really mm -hmm. like to feel like but not for them for me so I really do have compassion for people I understand that their opinion of me is about what's going on in their brain and if their opinion is negative they're the ones that experiences it not me and you know I'm not going to change yeah so you don't have to feel that way. You know? I, lo I love too the exercise from you know your friend and colleague Martha Beck is the is the figure out who your everybody is because yep. so many people and I've used this statement before like well everyone will think I am not a lady for using foul language everyone will think that decision is stupid everyone will think that that idea is crazy and irresponsible and you know for those of you listening if you use this statement and you come to those conclusions and those conclusions are are impeding your behavior, doing things that you want to do, figure out who your everybody is. Like really, who is this big crowd of people that you're making up is going to think whatever. And chances are it's either no one or it's one person that it's your, it's your mother. Is yeah. It is. I was just thinking that it's your mom. <laughs> exactly. It's who, totally your mother and like your fourth grade teacher. And you're a grown up now. Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. My therapist has reminded me of that so many times. Like Andrea, you are a grown up, mm -hmm. or like somebody else that I feel responsible for. That person is a grown up. Right, right. <laughs> They're not children. Right. I love yeah. that. Yep, yep, yep. And um, okay, so one of my favorite things was um, Amy and I were interviewing you a couple of years ago, and we were talking about people pleasing, and you just like kind of blurted out, "People pleasers are fucking liars." So well, I love that. And we, Amy and I still joke about that. And I, a lot of my, my listeners have, have, you know, let me know that people pleasing is hard for them. And so why do you, well, why are people pleasers liars, eh? And how can people stop people pleasing so much? So, okay. So people pleasers are liars because people pleasers do stuff that isn't true. Right. So someone will ask them to do something and they really won't want to do it. The truth is they want to say no, but they don't say no. They say yes, because they think that's kind to tell someone that they want to do something that they don't want to do. It's not kind. It's lying. Mm -hmm. And lying to someone you care about is not kind. So I think people think people pleasing is some virtue. It's like some wonderful thing that they do. They care about other people more than they care about themselves. But really, that's not true. Because the reason you're people pleasing is not because you care so much about that person. It's because you're trying to control their opinion of you, right? You're trying mm -hmm. to control them by lying to them, right? It's such BS. And if someone, if you're people pleasing, you end up feeling resentment towards that person, right? Right. And so now you've created this fric friction in a relationship because you're lying in it and you're calling it something that's 
kind and nice. It's the opposite. Yeah, it's the opposite. So I think that when people learn to tell the truth to each other, right? Because here's the thing, and, and I think you've talked about this too. My friends know when I say yes to something, it's a hell yes. Like I never say yes unless I am in, Mm -hmm. all in. And most of the time I say no because it doesn't resonate with me and it's not true. And I I remember one of my girlfriends had asked me to help her with this like fundraising campaign that involved a (laughs) bunch of kids or something. I was like, yeah, that's never going to happen. And she laughed and said, okay, yeah, I'll call you next time. I'm like, no, really, I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. And she was just stunned. She just looked at me like, what? I said, yeah, no, I have no interest in doing that. And it was like for some very good cause, right? So (laughs) she called me later and she goes, I just am still stunned that you just said no so easily. And she goes, and I totally respect that. And I'm so glad that you did and that you didn't say yes. And then I kind of had to drag you along with it. And Mm -hmm. so, and, and so when I do say yes, I'm telling the truth. And when I say no, obviously I'm telling the truth. And so I don't lie to my friends. That's, I, yeah, I love that. I agree with everything. And I, I think that another reason that we say yes to things that we don't want to is because we think that it's going to get those people to like us right. and, or love us. And we don't really truly like and love ourselves very much. So that's how we're receiving it. And I think that on a deeper level, that's a place to look. So if you're listening and you're that person who says yes to things that you don't want to do, really ask yourself, like, why are you saying yes? What is the real reason that you're saying yes? It probably doesn't have anything to do with the thing at hand. It's like you said, it's, you're trying to control that person's opinion of you Mm -hmm. and a great place to start is, and I know this is like huge onion of layers, but it's self-love. Like, how do you really feel about yourself? Because when you stand in a place of self-love and true worthiness, then you can say no. And I think too, like, I don't think that it goes from A to Z. I don't think that you just one day decide that you're going to start saying no and loving yourself and it's super easy. Like, I don't know about you, but, and you know, perhaps you're way more evolved than I am, but there are still times when I say no and I am like kind of cringing on the other end. Like, (laughs) yeah. Well, you know what? I don't cringe because I have set myself up for really knowing that it's, if I say yes and it's not a real yes to me, it's manipulation. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's not, I want no part of that. And it sounds so like if, you would feel worse saying yes. yes and not meaning it than saying yeah. no. I don't like lying to my friends. Yeah. So I think because of the way I think about it, it, it the opposite is true for me. You know, I I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm manipulating someone so they'll like me or lying to them so they'll like me, Mm -hmm. you know, and if I were going to do something, I'd be like, I absolutely do not want to do this, but I am willing to do it if you absolutely can't find someone else, but I want you to know I don't want to. I want you to know this is a huge sacrifice. Yeah. (laughs) I I have no desire to do this, (laughs) (laughs) but I will do it if you absolutely need it because I totally dig you. And I don't want you to have to do it on your own, but I don't want to. Mm -hmm. And I've never had someone come back and say, do it. Mm -hmm. Your friends don't want you to do stuff that you don't want to do. I mean, think about this. Put yourself on the other end of it, right? I ask you to do something. I say, hey, you know, come and 
you know, over to my house. My my kids for a whole weekend. I was going to say, let's clean my house together. It'll be fun. (laughs) We'll turn on the podcast. We'll clean the house. You know what I mean? And I don't want you saying, oh, yes, that sounds fantastic. And then resenting me the whole time. And talking shit about you behind your back. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, I got to do this thing. Oh, you know? So, I mean, I, I think there is no silver lining. I don't think. I think it's all BS. Mm-hmm. People pleasing. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think too, like you guys, and I, I say this to my people all the time, this type of stuff takes practice. And mm-hmm. it's it's really about, you know, if you're cringing when you're saying no, and, and start with the smaller stuff. Start with maybe some smaller projects at work. If you're doing, I had a client one time that um she was, she had been doing her church's newsletter and she hated it. And she felt obligated because it was her church and they didn't have anybody. Mm-hmm. She made up that they didn't have anyone else to do it. And so her, her assignment was to tell them she was done and not do it anymore in the next month. And it was tough, but it's like that feeling of empowerment and some, it's a rush for some people to actually stand up for what you truly want. And you'd be surprised too, like the energy that comes from that, like the energy that it opens up. Totally. I I think the truth is always the right answer. And sometimes the truth can sound like this. Listen, my inclination, because I love you and I want to make sure you love me, is to say yes here. But I want you to know that that's not coming from an authentic place. This doesn't really work with my schedule. It's not something I have any passion for. So I want you to know I'm going to say no, but it's a really difficult no for me. Mm-hmm. And it's really important to me that you know how much I care about you. Like, really just put it out there. Most people will so be like, there. what? That's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I've and I, I wrote this in the book too. It's that some people have such a hard time with this. You know, their their knee jerk reaction is to say yes. I say start by buying yourself some time. If you absolutely can, the words cannot come out of your mouth, say you know what I need to check my schedule. I need to um, mm-hmm. check with my spouse or, or whatever. Buy yourself some time to gain up the balls, and maybe you have to do it kind of the chicken shit way and text that person or send them an email. You know where you can kind of craft your response. Right. And I totally agree. Do it that way. If if that if you need to take baby little turtle steps in that direction, then do that. Yes. But just find a way to tell the truth. I think that that, the, the, I mean, it's so right, cliched, but you know, the truth really does just set you free. You don't ever have to worry that you're going to be found out because you just are revealing who you are all the time. Yeah. And you know what? People, I will tell you this, people love that shit. Yeah. <laughs> people love it when you're real. When like you lead with your biggest failure, it, everyone relaxes. They're like, oh, thank God, you know, we can all just relax now together because nobody's trying to be perfect. Nobody's trying to be the kindest person in the room either. So I remember I've I've told this story before, but I I think it's such an important one. I I remember the very first time someone, I had a friend break up with me and Mm. it was when I was going through all kinds of turmoil in this particular, she was a very good friend of mine and her mom had cancer and it was just, it was a hard time for her and she could not be the type of friend that I needed and I was just too much for her. So she had that talk with me and was like, I can't be your friend right now. And I'm not saying it's forever, but just right now I have to cut ties with you. And I was devastated. Um, I made it through. (laughs) Right. Obviously you're here. It was the first time. I mean, this was in retrospect. It was the first time I had ever had a friend stand up for herself. And it was my, it was such a great example of a strong, empowered female who was saying no. And, yeah. and really taking a stand for herself and and her own well being, and it was so beautiful. Again, in retrospect, and I 
I totally forgave her. You know, she didn't ask for forgiveness. I was, I was hurt, but, and we're, you know, we're friends again, think times got better and her mom got better. And, but yeah, I just, I, I love that example because it's such a, it's such a, you know, and I know a lot of people that have been hanging on to friendships that are not serving them anymore. That's an example of people pleasing. Totally. Oh my gosh. And I think that, I mean, you're obviously in a very evolved place to be able to understand where your friend was coming from. But I think that's where we think, we we look at people and we think they do stuff at us, right? Mm -hmm. They live their lives at us just to hurt us. Really? Everybody, everybody really just wants to take care of themselves and everybody just wants to be loved. And I think if you can remember that when people are at their worst, no matter what they're doing, saying they could be in traffic flipping you off and all you have to do is remind yourself, everybody just wants to be loved. Even that guy, that's all he really wants. Then it just, uh, it like just lets everything relax and you can just, I always smile and wave. Mm -hmm, So do I. Walmart's parking lot is the best for that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, like when you're trying to pull out of a parking spot and someone is like in such a hurry to get to the grocery store that they can't let you out. I think it's so funny. I'm like, you go. There's milk. There's milk to get. Holiday time is the best for 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 spreading the love. Oh, I know. Isn't that so interesting? It's so funny. Yeah, I used to work retail, and so I saw the worst human. Oh yeah. Isn't that so fascinating though? It's supposed to be the time of year. It, it, okay. But that, let's think about that. Isn't Christmas one of the biggest people pleasing times? Oh God. Yes. I hate it. <laughs> I hate the obligatory gift giving. I don't do it. Yeah. And I tell people like, don't, don't like, <laughs> Well, this is what I like to do with my friends. Like, I don't like to go out at some, um, excuse me. So instead of like going out and buying presents on Christmas, cause you have to just whenever you see something throughout the year that you think is badass, that's mm-hmm. their Christmas present. And you just send it to them in July and they're totally not expecting it. And all of a sudden, boom, they have this amazing present. That's a great idea. Love it. Yeah. I, I do something similar, but I just buy it throughout the year and then I save it until Christmas. And then... Oh, I never do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's funny. Yeah. You have to like hang on to it. I'm like, you must have this immediately. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I hang on to it all year. That's awesome. In my closet. Yeah. But I just, the, the holiday season is, ugh, ugh. (laughs) It's not my favorite. Maybe it is because I worked retail and I, I, I used to do visual merchandising. So we would start decorating for Christmas in September. I'm not kidding. In September. And people would be all mad. And our comeback was, it's never too early to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ with a totally serious face. Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) People were like, just shuffle away. It is awful. I mean, why do we have to start selling Christmas, celebrating Christmas so early? That makes no sense to me. Yeah, it is commercialism. Totally. Oh, goodness. All right. Well, moving on. <laughs> so, okay. So you, I was, I was reading your blog and, and this was something you wrote last summer about the relationship with yourself and how important it is to get to know yourself deeply. Um, and many of my listeners have expressed to me that they don't know where they are. They don't know what they want. You know, maybe their identity has gotten wrapped up in being a mom or in their career or in their marriage and they don't even know where to start and learning these things. So what can you say to that? 
Yeah. I mean, I think people go around all the time saying love yourself and usually their suggestions include taking a bath. Ew. Or Manny Petty. <laughs> or Manny Petty. I don't even really like Manny Petty's. What? <laughs> okay. We'll talk about that in a minute, but <laughs> stop talking. Okay. But anyway, so I think that people, the first thing is, it, what does it mean to love yourself? Like, Give yourself a hug. Come on, people. Like the, the first thing you have to do before you can ever even start loving yourself is get to know yourself. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first started this process, I tell the story all the time where I was like trying to figure out what I wanted because talk about people pleasing. I mean, my whole life was just a big collection of lies. And so when I really started to try and like get to know myself, I really didn't know. Like if I was decorating a house just for me, not to impress the people that were coming over, what would I put in it? I had no, literally I had no idea. Mm -hmm. So I think that the first, the way that I teach people how to have intimacy with themselves is first of all, just getting to know their own minds. I think everything starts with the mind. And most of us live our lives in complete unconsciousness. We don't pay any attention to what's going on in our mind. And and w- the way I describe that, it's like letting a toddler into your house with a knife mm-hmm. <laughs> and not supervising them, <laughs> right? I mean, that's what your brain, your brain is even more dangerous than that, right? So I think step one is you have to pay attention to your mind. You have to see what's going on in there. Now, Here's what most people want to do. They want to go into their mind. They want to start looking at their thoughts and they go in there and they turn on the light and it is a disaster. Mm -hmm. And so they just want to turn it back off and and retreat again. I mean, we spend a lot of energy escaping and avoiding ourselves, right? We're trying to get the heck away from ourselves because so much of the thinking is negative and so much is unconscious. So step one, really start paying attention to your mind. Be brave, Be willing to deal with all the negative thoughts that you notice in your own mind and write them down. I will say writing down everything and getting it out of your head is such a relief. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and, and don't give in to that desire to beat yourself up over it. Then really start supervising and deciding do I want to keep thinking this way? The reason why most of us loathe ourselves and hate ourselves so much is because we hate what's going on in our own minds. We think that's who we are. Mm-hmm. All of those thoughts, we think that's who we are. It's not who we are. It's the unsupervisedness of our lives. It's yeah. all the programming that we dealt with when we were kids that we haven't, you know, that we got when we were kids that we haven't dealt with. So, I think that once you get to know yourself, then you can start to start liking yourself. And the best way to start liking yourself is by creating thoughts that you like in your brain and really start. And it, like you said, it's a gentle practice mm-hmm. that you move into. And once you start liking what you're thinking, you're going you're to start feeling better and you're going to want to spend more time paying attention to yourself. And, and the other thing is, is just noticing how often are you avoiding yourself? How often are you going, you know, drinking a bottle of wine and yes. stuffing your face with Oreos? Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> People see, this is what happens. People eat all the Oreos and then they beat the crap out of themselves for eating the Oreos. And then they wonder why they don't like their own company. And I say, think about if you were married to a guy that beat the crap out of you every time you ate Oreos, would you want to hang out with him and tell him all your deepest, darkest things and love on him? Mm -hmm. No, but that's your relationship with yourself. All you do is beat the crap out of yourself all day and you wonder why you can't love yourself. 
So, I mean, step one is you, you have to stop beating yourself up and you have to stop avoiding yourself. I mean, think about that. You're hanging, let's say you and I are hanging out and every time you come up to like have a conversation with me, I just put my hand up to you. You know, like that's what we do to ourselves. We're like, yeah, no, I, I don't have time. I'm eating Oreos right now. Or smack yourself in the face. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> like get away from me. You're gross and you're fat and you're stupid. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with you? You're worthless. That's how we talk to ourselves. And then we wonder why, oh, how come I can't love myself that bad? It really just didn't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And it's because we identify with our thoughts way too much. We think that negative thinking is who we are. And that the only way I know to create love with yourself is to find a way to shift your thinking. That is the secret to the universe because your thinking will ultimately change how you feel about yourself. Every feeling you have, including self-love, is caused by a thought you have in your mind. So if the thought you have in your mind is that you're a fat, disgusting pig, which I know many people who are listening to this, that is the thought that they have when they look in the mirror. How could you ever expect? You would never let someone else talk to you that way. And you certainly wouldn't love them if they did. So that, that I think is that main obstacle and people think, oh, well, it's so hard to just change those thoughts. And it is. And the process is first becoming aware of them with compassion. That is the secret sauce. You can't become aware of them with a machete, right? You have to become aware of them with compassion. And from there, you can gently decide if you want to keep thinking that about yourself. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have so many things to tag on to that. Yes. We... <clears throat> definitely are in alignment with, with the exercises and everything. And I think the first thing is, is that what I, what I hear a lot is that I'll start from the very beginning. Some people think that, um, okay, I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to take Brooke and Andrea's exercises and I want to work on it starting tomorrow. And then they get a couple days in and they, you know, fall back to their old habits and they're like, well, this doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. You guys, you have been thinking this way for 30, 40 plus years. It's going to take some time. And uh, I'm not a big fan of affirmations. I, I think that like the huge shift from your, I'm a disgusting big fat pig to uh, my body, it looks like a goddess and I'm, I get, I'm so hot right now. I think that we're too smart for that. So what I ask clients to do is go for neutrality and just mm-hmm. what is something that's not positive, positively or negatively charged? What if, what if you could put humor in it? You know, I had a client that, um, joked with her cellulite and said like, oh my gosh, you're still here. Like, I didn't know you were still around. Like, how long do you plan on staying? Like having funny conversations like that, that you're not used to, but you're not beating yourself up for it. And, um, I love what you yeah, said. Let too. me, let me just hang on a second. Let yeah. me add on to that. Cause one of the things that I do with my weight loss clients all the time, it's exactly what you're saying. And it is so extremely powerful because if you try to go from I'm fat and ugly to I'm beautiful, you it's way too big of a leap. Your brain is programmed Mm -hmm. to be efficient. And if it's really good at doing something, it wants to keep doing it. So if it's really good at thinking a thought, right? So I have them shift from, I have an ugly fat body to I have a body because that is true. Mm -hmm. And they can believe that and they can think that I have a body and it releases a little bit of that negativity. And the other thing I just want to add on to what you said there is people will say all the time, this program doesn't work. And I say, well, here's the good news. The program never works, ever. You are the only one that can do the work. Mm-hmm. We want the program to do the work. We want to buy that gym membership and, and, and have it happen. <laughs> buy the book, pay for the program, and feel relief. And people do. 
Yeah. But the, it's the work it's, and I've done that too, you know, bought the gym membership, bought the totally. exercise outfit. That's super cute from Lululemon, you know, and uh-huh. think that that's going to solve the problem. And it really is the work. And I, I love that, you know, just stating facts and they're mm-hmm. totally neutral and the energy, and it really is science. Like I wish I knew more about, cause I, I love science. I'm such a science geek and it's these neural pathways, um, I don't know who, I wish that I could quote, you know, (laughs) empirical evidence, but I have read that this, like the neural pathways actually change, that our thoughts, they actually look different in our brains when we start to think more positively about ourselves. Um, And I love too what you said about noticing these thoughts with compassion, because Mm -hmm. I call it the ultimate ass kicker, especially if someone's been in self-development and they're really into it and they notice, they start to notice their thoughts and they're like, oh my God, like Mm -hmm. this is bad. They put a label on it. Like I'm a worst case. I I should be, you know, I'm X amount of years old. I should be over this. I've read so much self-help and I've done the same thing. Like I'm a life coach and I went through periods where like, shouldn't I be over this by now? (laughs) Right. I say it every day. Yeah. (laughs) No, seriously. People are like, well, I mean, do you still do models? Do you every damn day? Yes. Every My brain day. is still here, and as long as it's still here, it's like, do you always have to supervise that toddler? Can't mm-hmm. you just let it go? So- I thought the toddler was all gr- the toddler never grows up. Right, <laughs> it always needs supervision. I think, and when when I feel like my life is starting to fall apart, or for me, I start to think about drinking again. Like, or I'll mm. start to, and I was telling you before the podcast, like I'll start to think about restricting calories. And I luckily, thankfully, I don't go back on the behaviors, but when the thoughts come back in, I know that I have been falling away from my own practice. I'll get too busy with work, too busy with family, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, I need to get back to my journaling, like all these things that I do where I, I have to do the exercises and walk my talk that I do with my clients. So we've never truly arrived. Ever. Ever. And if mm-hmm. we do, it's in a coffin. Yes. <laughs> true. So if you want to arrive, there's a, you know, it's coming. Yeah, that's true. I'm really, I want to ask you one more question before we wrap it up. And I'm curious, okay. you know, that we've sort of touched on it. What is your, like, do you have, I know some people are really regimented, like they, they kind of have to do the same thing every day, whether it's meditation or working out or whatever. Do you have like a daily practice and, or just like your favorites that you do? And, and if so, what does it look like? I do thought work every day for sure. And what that looks like on a regular day is I go into that place of the watcher. Now I don't sit on a cushion mm-hmm. and fold, fold my legs and, and close my eyes halfway. I don't do that. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> I, 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 I think it sounds like an amazing thing, but it, it, it's not what I do. What I do is I watch my mind as I go through my day. I pay attention to it because here's the thing. When you go into this space of the watcher where you're watching your own mind, then you can't be in your own mind. And so just the practice of watching it gets you into that, I think, that universal space, right? So Mm -hmm. that's a huge practice. I do write down my thoughts. If ever I'm having any kind of intense negative emotion, I sit down. I usually pick one and run it through my self-coaching model. And then um, I always go on a walk every day and feed my brain with positivity. Whatever I, you know, I listen to Abraham. I listen to podcasts. I listen to people that are positive and happy and and. Gig. What about you? 
Um, it looks different. I think that energetically I'm the type of person that it, you know, I'm so all over the place that sometimes my routine does look like that. I think for one exercise for me is like church and it really, um, I run a really high yang. Yeah. So I have to have something where that's happening. And I, I really just, I have conversations with God. I, I'm, that's my spiritual connection. And I, I have a journal that I love that I've used for years. It's called speed Dial the universe from one of my former um, coaches. And it's, I write down it's gratitude. It's really simple. It's a few things I'm grateful for. It's things I'm asking the universe for, um, as far as like predominant feelings, like how do I want to feel today? What am I asking for? For me, it's never like productivity and focus. Uh, for me, it's like patience and ease and peace. That's it's patterns. Mm -hmm. I usually ask for the same thing every day. Um, you know, my weaker parts of me that I want to strengthen and I write down things <clears throat> that I'm letting go of. Like what, what do I need to let go of the universe? Cause I'm, I've always been really transparent with my audience that what's been really hard for me in my journey that I still have to work on one day at a time is control is giving mm -hmm. up control. And so if I can actually write down the things that I'm letting go of, it's hugely powerful, hugely powerful. I think just as powerful as writing down your goals. Totally. You know, I love that. What are the things that you want to accomplish? Well, what are the things that you want to let go of? Because I try to hold on tight. I try to hold on tight to my son's behavior. I try to hold on tight to the outcome of my book promotion, hold mm. on to, you know, money and everything. So it is, and I have changed, like for the people that used to know me, like you guys, when I got married the first time, I, I dictated what people were wearing to my bridal shower. Like I was a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy. It I love it. It was fun to know me, but only like in certain doses, you know, like I had my limits. <laughs> Right. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love that you said that about letting go because one of the things that I've decided to let go of this year is worry. Like I have decided that, you know how some people go gluten free. Mm -hmm. I'm going worry free. Like literally I do not allow it in my life. It's not, it's not a valid emotion. It's a cover emotion. And I, I see what it's pretending to be necessary about, but it's not. And it has completely transformed my life. Mm -hmm. I just see it. It's like always like, hi, let's worry because there's no upside to worry. It, it, really it does. It does nothing. And so, um, I, I see how often it's almost like indulging in Oreos. Like I see, but I'm gluten-free, so I can't, right? I'm not really gluten-free, but I'm worry-free. So I see it like tempting me, like worry, worry, like tempts me. I'm like, no, 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 that's no longer in my emotional diet. Oh my God. So I think, you know, deciding something like anxiety or worry mm -hmm. that you're no longer going to entertain in your brain can absolutely change your life. So I think, yeah, making a list of things you're letting go of, brilliant. Yeah. And it's, it's helped me so much. And like, for instance, my husband was, was interviewing with a big company several months ago and, and I was, I was finding myself getting really attached to the outcome mm. and I, I, every day I wrote it down and I'm just like, I'm letting go of this, whatever was meant to be is meant to be. And mm -hmm. I'm really serious. You guys, sometimes even one day at a time is too hard. And, um, I take a lot away from a 12 step program. And that's one of the things is, is one day at a time. And sometimes it's one hour at a time. Like, okay, I'm just not going to worry until noon, until lunchtime. Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's and, brilliant. Like, mm -hmm. cause that's what I ask. I'm like, how long do I think I could go without worrying? Like, could I go a whole day? 
and this noticing it, noticing like when is it going to appear? Because here's what I know. This is what kind of clued me into myself is when I stopped worrying about my weight, like I, I no longer ever worry about my weight, which by the way, can I get an amen? That is a miracle, right? <laughs> so that, but then I noticed I would just attach onto the very next thing to worry about. Then I would just worry about my kids. Mm-hmm. And then when that was, when there was nothing to worry about there, I would, I would attach on. It was like a, I was a parasite looking for a host. Yeah. And I was like, uh huh. Wait a minute. There's nothing really here to worry about. You're just looking for something to create some worry about. And that's when I really realized that I could totally let it go. Yeah, I love that. I love parasite looking for a totally. And I think the same the same can be said, I think, for a lot of my listeners, worry, yes, and control. It's mm. it's the exact it's it, right along those same lines is I can't control that. Okay, so I'm gonna let go of that, but what can I control? And grasping mm. at straws, it was and still again, one of those things that I still have to really pay attention to and and, and, t- and tell myself kindly and compassionately, like, okay, Andrea, like you cannot control that. I think parenting is the hardest. That oh is, my gosh. Is, so hard. <laughs> it is so challenge. hard because you just want, you know, it, it makes no sense that we want our kids to be happy their whole childhood because then they're going to be totally dysfunctional, emotional adults. <laughs> but it doesn't matter if you know that, that it's good for kids to learn how to deal with negative emotion when they're in it. You just want to die. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And oh my gosh. So my daughter, I'll tell us a quick story. My daughter's four and she signed up for soccer and I'm, um, she has like anxiety. She has like performance anxiety. So she's super stoked about it and she'll play soccer in the backyard with us and she's really good. So we're like, of course we'll sign you up for soccer. And she's talking about it and she's excited. But when it comes game time, she has a complete meltdown. And if she, she went out, we finally talked her into going out there on the field maybe 10 seconds running down the field with the other kids and then her face just crumbles. And, and as a parent, the interesting thing is, is like all my shit comes up. Like, I'm oh, like, what for the fuck sure. Is this? <laughs> Not only is it painful for me to watch her be in pain, but my own pain comes back up from my own yep. childhood. And it's like, I want to fix it. I want her to be okay. Go, But it's just, this has like been the biggest test. This is happening right now. And her, and then, you know, I'm like, oh my God, is she going to be okay? Is she going to be like this forever? Like, what if she never can play sports? What if she has like actual anxiety disorder like I did? <laughs> like the, and I mean, I'll think all that in like five seconds. And For sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So check this out. One of my clients told me this story. It's like the ultimate in trying to control your kid. So her kid played soccer and he played goalie. And she was telling me the story because my son plays goalie. And it's really hard to have your mm-hmm. son play the goalie because, you know, they make a mistake it's a goal, right? So it like, it can like cost them the whole game. So she was sitting, her son, I think she she said he was six and she was sitting on the side, not the sideline, but the end line right next to the goal where he was making saves. And I guess he kept getting scored on. So she said that she was sitting there and then all of a sudden she watched her body get up out of the chair and (laughs) jump in front of the ball and make a save on the field. I love this story. She's like, I, I watched myself do it. Like I wanted to like preserve him from any more pain. So I just made the save. And she goes, he didn't talk to me for a week. And I'm like, okay, that is the perfect example of trying to save your child from pain and actually causing him so much more. (laughs) 
Yeah. And I know you've written about this on your blog too. And I wrote a chapter about it in the book about, we think we know what's good for everyone else. Right. <laughs> no idea. Well, we don't even know what's good for ourselves. I don't know why we think we know what's good for everybody else. <laughs> oh, yes. And it's just them learning about disappointment and fears. And it's just, it's, I've, the experience of watching it in another human being, not only just any human being, but this, like this person that is really your heart walking around on two legs with a cute face. Totally. totally. That's a whole, I mean, that's a life lesson in and of itself. <laughs> well, yeah. and just reminding like, it's so hard for us to remember that they're not really ours. Like we think we own them, mm-hmm. they're a <laughs> right? That they're like <laughs> ours, but they're, they're not. And their relationship with God, their relationship with the world is really has nothing to do with us. It's like so shocking to discover. It is. I'm still learning that. I'll, I'll yeah. let you know when I <laughs> to that <laughs> fully. Yours are still a little young and dependent. As soon true. as they start walking away from you and say, talk to the hand, then you'll yeah, recognize, wait, time with friends. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be different. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm so thankful that you've been here. This has been such a, such an awesome conversation and please tell everyone where they can find out more about you and what you do. Well, you can find out about me at brookestio.com. That's where I have my personal blog. And then, um, all of my current work and current passion and love is found at the lifecoachschool.com. Yeah. And Come on I, over. I send people your way all the time and I am, I am oh, just, you. I'm so supportive of what you do. And if you guys are thinking about life coaching and, you know, I get emails all the time, people wanting, you know, what school should I go to? Definitely check out, go to the life. It's, it's the lifecoachschool.com, right? Yep. Okay. And, um, if you guys want to find out more, all the links and everything to this show are, I figured it out. We're on episode 28. And so if you go to your podcast life forward slash two eight, you can find all the links to Brooke's blog and her life coach school, all that good stuff. Please leave a rating and review on iTunes. That would be awesome. Cause that way I can keep doing this. Yeah, do it. <laughs> Five stars, baby. Five stars. <laughs> Thank you, Brooke. And I do want to have you on again another time. And Let's ask do kickers. It. Yeah, for sure. Ask kickers. Have a great week. And I will see you out in cyberspace. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.